This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Chapel International, a united denomination originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches. Welcome to the Life Preaching Message, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation, a Bible-based instruction to our church members, to equip them to teach and preach wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing encounter as you listen to this message. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What a blessing to be alive and well this morning and have the privilege of hearing the word of God. I believe God by his spirit will speak to us and bless our lives to be what he has called us to be. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful to your goodness and kindness that we enjoy every day of our lives. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. And we declare that there's no God like you. And there's none that will do for our lives that which you have purported to do with our lives. Thank you, our creator, the giver and the sustainer of our lives. We bow before you and we with our hearts cleansed and ready, we ask you to speak to us by your spirit. Holy Spirit, we recognize your presence and your guidance and your involvement in all that God would want to accomplish in our lives. Therefore, we submit totally to you and we say, have your way. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's a great morning and... uh, I have some few thoughts to share with you. I believe that the Lord would want to speak to us and to guide us. You know, this year, the season or this year, the beginning of it has not been the usual way of constantly um, exciting messages. So most of us are quiet in our comments and everything. And I'm grateful to God that I can, by his spirit, speak that which will not excite the people. But my prayer is that you reflect on what you hear, not brush it aside because it doesn't excite you, because that will be a big mistake. You see, our life, our whole life is like an exam or is is a stage upon which we are going to be rewarded according to how well we are able to follow and obey God and be guided by his spirit, especially as Christians. But at this, I don't think many of us are aware. Many of us feel and think that, in fact, God owes us a favor to make sure that our lives are designed and run beautifully according to our desires. But you see, any, any, any gospel preacher who tells you that that is the case is a lie. That preacher is a liar. And the truth is not in him. The true preacher is the one who constantly reminds you that Your life does not belong to you. It belongs to God. 
and what he wants it to be is what must be your preoccupation. What God wants your life to be must be your preoccupation. The needs of your flesh is not a good enough excuse to, to make you not to seek the will of God and the kingdom of God for your life. Hallelujah. Because one of the things I've learned and as I've observed in being around people and having to relate with them in a way of leadership is that we tend to feel that if I have a reason, be it good or even bad, but if I have a reason to explain why I didn't do what I was supposed to do, I should be acquitted. But unfortunately, it's not so. You see, you may have a reason why you didn't write the exam, but you will not be passed because you have a reason. No. The best they can do for you is to give you a chance to do a reset. But after the exam, you must, you must write it. You must write it. Now, unfortunately, in the case of life, we have only one life. And when it is gone, it's over. There's no reset. So, yes, you may arrive and discover that you could have had all the challenges and still have done what you need to do or what the Lord wanted to do with your life in spite of your challenges. But many of us have been deceived by the enemy to think that because we have challenges or because we have difficulties, uh, we have a good enough reason not to fulfill the purpose of God for our lives as we have, after we have met Christ. So, and, and as a person, personally, personally, I believe whatever I am is God who made me to be so. And he must have his reason for making me in particular to be the way I am. And that is that personally, I'm very reflective and always try to analyze myself and do my best according to what I know to admit, to speak the truth and to admit the truth to myself. You see, I may not admit the truth to you, but for myself, I cannot deny or reject the truth when it is to me. So I've always been reflective by nature where I ask myself, if I say this is what I'm doing, and if I say this is what this thing is, where is my evidence that shows that this, this what I'm saying is exactly the case? You know? So by so doing, even though I have many faults, I am learning and observing that my faults don't seem to have that much advantage over me. In other words, I'm, I'm still moving forward in spite of my faults. So some of you, when you get to see my faults, don't say, ah, but you're also human like us. Yeah, I, I never proclaim to you that I'm superhuman. And I'm moving forward, not because I'm not human, not because I don't feel the things you feel, not because I'm not tempted as you are. If anything, it's even worse for me. But I, because I speak the truth to myself, 
whatever difficulty I encounter is not able to gain the upper hand over me to some extent. Amen. And I want you to likewise also be reflective and be honest to yourself. Some of you, you, are, you reject the truth from everywhere, even with overwhelming evidence. You still want to stand on the ground that because you have a reason, the truth cannot be the truth. Listen, you may have a reason, but the reason for not walking in the truth does not change the truth. So this morning, I want us to think very deeply and reflectively and ask ourselves, where are we going and what am I doing with whatever I say I am? Where am I going? What am I doing with whatever I say I am or whatever I believe I am? Now, many of us have gathered on Zoom and on Facebook because we believe and we know that we are born again. We know, we believe, we know that we are born again because we have received and believed on him whom God has sent. And that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We believe that he is God. He became flesh. He dwelt amongst us. He lived a sinless life and went on the cross and died not for his sin, but for our sins. And rose on the third day after his burial. And is alive, seated with the Father at his right hand. And is coming back for us. Or we will meet him. I mean, that is what we say we believe. Now, if this is what we believe. If this is what we believe. That Jesus is our Savior. And because of the forgiveness that we have. By believing in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The next question I want to ask is that the same Jesus who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but by me, is the same Jesus that is saying so many things that we have to also believe. But somehow, we don't seem to believe that aspect of him. We don't seem to believe that aspect of him. And we, it's because we give reasons. It's because we give reasons. Now, you know, this thing is, when Jesus said that life was not like this, you know, things are different. Listen, the words of God and the words of Jesus, who is God with us, doesn't change with seasons. His words are sure. They stand forever. Whether it's raining, whether it's dry, whatever the season is, God's word is God's word. Hallelujah. And therefore, your excuse will not qualify you for an exemption. For not believing what you have to believe. Your excuse will not qualify you for an exemption, for not believing what you have to believe. And for me, for me, when I look at this pandemic that happened since two years, the end of two years ago, and now the whole of last year, and still continuing, 
what I see is God being merciful to me. God being merciful to me. Not because I don't have COVID, no. But God being merciful to me to be able to reflect on what I am doing and to see whether I am building right, whether I'm doing what will last, whether I'm doing it the way that would cause the work of my life to stand. Because I, the same Jesus that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father by, by, by me. The same Jesus that said that whosoever believeth in me shall be born again, shall be saved. The same Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, that you should go forth and bear much fruit, and that your fruit should remain. So if this Jesus has, is telling me that he has chosen me, not because I chose him, but because he chose me, and sent me forth to go and bear much fruit, and my fruit must remain, then I must make sure I build and I do whatever I need to do to bear fruit in a way that will make my fruit remain. Hallelujah. So in that way, I'm careful and reflecting, reflecting on what I do so that my fruit will remain. And probably that's why I'm preaching even the things I'm talking about now. And that's why I'm praying the things I'm praying about now. Amen. So, with this in mind, with this in mind, I want to ask you a question. You say you believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus as what? You believe in Jesus for what? Yeah, you believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus as what? And you believe in Jesus for what? Now, this is very important because if you don't take your time to answer these questions, you see, you can be deceived by Satan to take steps that is contrary to your confessions. Because I believe in Jesus as God. I believe in Jesus as my deliverer, as my savior. Now, I believe in Jesus as God. In other words, I believe in Jesus as having all the, as all knowing, as all powerful, as all sufficient. Yes. Among the many things that God is, I believe in Jesus as all knowing as all-powerful, as all-sufficient, and as all-providing. So with this belief that I have of Jesus, I said, with belief, this belief that I have of Jesus, now what do I believe him for? So I believe in, in God, or I believe in Jesus as God. I believe him also for being able to lead me and to let my life bring glory to God. And therefore, it is my desire and my prayer to follow every single word that Jesus has said, every single instruction that he has given, and every single advice or opinion that he has expressed on an issue. 
because he is God. Then his, his opinion stands above my opinion in every way. His opinion stands above my opinion in every way. So if he says this is the way to live life, I tell you, uh, no matter what my, my decision, my decision is this is the way I would live life. Hallelujah. If he says this is the way to live life, if he says the way to live life is to seek me first, the kingdom of God, my response to him and my response to what I believe of him is that the kingdom of God first will I seek. Now, with this decision, will now come challenges for me. Because the fact that he says I should seek first the kingdom of God does not mean that because Jesus said, I should seek first the kingdom of God. I will not have challenges seeking first the kingdom of God in an ungodly environment. Because, you see, most of us, this is what we do. We take what Jesus says we should do. And then we look at the challenges that will come if we have to do what he says we should do. Then we say, because of these challenges, we want to try other alternatives that avoids these challenges. In the process, we don't do what he says we should do. But listen to me. I'll give you one advice this morning. If, if listen, if you ever have to work with somebody who is superior to you in terms of everything, in terms of resources, in terms of understanding, and the person says, Go this way. Listen, that is instruction one. That is instruction one. Go this way. Now, when you go, when you choose to go this way and you identify the problems that are on that way, you come back to him with the mind and with the heart that I'm going to go this way, but I have these problems. Can you help me to overcome these problems? It is there that you will discover that having instructed you to go that way, he knows all the problems that are on that way and has already made provisions for you on that way. You will never discover the provisions that has been made to overcome the, the, the problems of the chosen path or of the right path for you as chosen and spoken to you by God. You will never discover it until you make up your heart to, and believe that that is the best way. And that is what most of us do. We, we shrink away from the wisdom of God of how to live life here on earth because, because we, we, we can envisage problems. And once we envisage the problem, Satan uses the problems to advise us against obeying and following the wisdom of God. But mind you, mind you, in Isaiah 55, the Lord says, my ways are not your ways. Neither are my thoughts your thoughts. My ways, they are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. 
For as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways. From your ways and my thoughts, from your thoughts. So, so what it means is that his, his, the path he has chosen for us is based on his wisdom. And his wisdom is far above our wisdom. That is why Paul says that even the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. In other words, even if God is foolish, it's still wiser than the wisdom of men. So whatever he has said concerning our lives, we should never, we should never take it out of our lives because we saw problems or we saw difficulties. No. I said, we should never take it out of our lives because we saw difficulties or we saw problems. Rather, it should make us go back to him constantly, constantly, making him aware of our needs to obey him. Calling and trusting on his wisdom and his love and his provision for our lives to accomplish what he wants our lives to accomplish. Hallelujah. And I tell you, by that way of life, we would, we would become what we never imagined we could be. Because in so doing, our lives will be exhibiting the wisdom of God. And if wisdom is justified of her children, I said, if wisdom is justified of her children, and the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men, then there's no wisdom of man that will give you much justification compared to even the foolishness of God. Hallelujah. So with this in mind, with this in mind, I want to enumerate or just bring up one of the things that God in the person of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, has said we should do, which we always, or which we don't do. I said, which we don't do. And it's just Luke chapter 18, verse 1. He said, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not be weary or not faint. Can you give me another version? I just want to read just the verse one. You see, the, the verse one is the message. The verses that follow is the parable. But this is one of the few occasions where we have been given a reason for the parable before the parable is said. Often the parable is explained privately to the disciples. But the Bible says one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. They should always. What is the meaning of always? What is the meaning of always? Occasionally, 
as and when you get time? No. You see, Jesus said you sh- they should always pray and never give up. Now, the only reason why we would not obey such a simple instruction, uh, you, see, you see, in my in my opinion, in other words, according to me, this should have been an easier instruction to follow than the instruction not to fornicate. Yeah. In other words, in other words, it is the it is the easiest of of many of the instructions that we are given. One of the one of the commandments of the Lord Jesus is a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. I mean, you and I know that loving somebody is not an easy thing. Loving somebody is not an easy thing at all. But as for the instruction to always pray, I would have thought that it should be the easiest thing. But I'm learning that what often looks easy tends to be the most difficult thing. What often looks easy tends to be the most difficult thing. Or is it because it's the most opposed? Let me put it that way. You see, the instruction that is very easy is often the instruction that you face a lot of opposition. It's an instruction that makes you face a lot of opposition. And so you find out that a lot of Christians don't pray. I mean, Christians, in terms of ranking of activities, prayer would always be at the bottom. Prayer would always be at the bottom of the list. Meanwhile, if I understand what prayer is, which is to me to talk to my father. It should be the easiest thing. It should be the easiest thing. Just talking to my God and telling him and having a discussion with him. I mean, it should be the easiest thing. And yet, it's the thing that is not done by most of us. Why? I said, why? One, there may be different reasons, but one of them is that we don't believe that when Jesus says men always ought to pray, we don't believe that that's what we must do. I said, we don't believe that that's what we must do. And, and, and we, don't, we don't think it's, it's anything of significance. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't feel we have accomplished or we would if we pray for one hour Versus doing singing. I wouldn't call it praise and worship. I would call it singing for one hour. Most of us would be happy to sing for one hour than to pray for one hour. Most of us will be happy to sing for one hour than to pray for one hour. 
we, we, it's almost like we are likely to do almost everything happily for one hour than to pray for one hour. But you see, as simple an instruction as it may be, if there's anything, I said, if there's anything that solves the problems of existing and being a Christian here in this world is prayer. I said, if there is anything that solves, that accomplishes a lot, that does so much Is prayer for the Christian. I said it's prayer for the Christian. Because it's not by your might. And it's not by your power. But it is by the spirit of the living God. And can, I, can I say something to you? You cannot instruct the Holy Spirit. But when you talk to your father your father can extract the Holy Spirit. And if it is by the Spirit that things are accomplished, then why don't you talk to the one who can instruct the Holy Spirit so that he will be instructed always favorably for you? But no, 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 we don't, we don't believe it. We don't believe it. I, I tell you, if there's anything Satan has succeeded in doing is to make sure is to is to have been able to make us lower the value of prayer. But do you know that? Do you know that the greatest destructive power of mankind or, or of mankind's works, which is the atomic bomb, the atomic bomb. It is the release of small energy that comes out when two when, when there's a split of uranium, which is an unstable. You see, uranium, let me let me explain to you, those of you who science finished very early. Just get, don't worry, you understand it. I, I can explain it for you to understand. You see, there are elements, atoms in, in, the, in the system. One of them is called uranium. Now, it comes in different variations. The uranium comes in different variations. And there's, there's one, there's a type where it cannot exist on its own as one atom. If you don't know what an atom is, just take it as one sun particle. Okay, if you don't know what an atom is, just take it as one sun particle. Now, the sun particles exist on their own, but this particular one cannot exist on its own. So, they join together through a reaction so that two of them are always together. Now, the atomic bomb 
works on the energy that is released when these two particles are split. That's all. The energy that holds two small particles that you can't even see with your eyes. The, the energy that keeps them together. When you split them, that energy is released. And that is the basis of the atomic bomb. So, so in simple terms, the atomic bomb is a collection of those double particles. And a lot of them, and it's put together. And then a system is created to trigger the breakup of just one. The energy that is released is enough to break up the others. And then a chain reaction occurs. The resultant force can wipe out a whole city. This is what prayer is. It may not look powerful, but you see, listen, your little not able to communicate well to God, but with a cry and with the childlikeness of you to God would cause the release of so much power that your life will be what it ought to be. Yes. You know, I, I don't think I don't think we know what we are in the hands of God. I don't think we know what we are in the hands of God. If we did, you see, if we did, many of the misuse that we put ourselves to, we will not. You see, the Bible says, by one man, sin came into the world and rain caused the death of many. And also by one man, Righteousness and life is brought. Now, by one man, death reigned. And by one man, life comes. What do you think of yourself? By you, what can come? I'm asking you a question. By you, what do you think can come? Listen, when God wanted to fill the earth with human beings, he created one man. When God wanted to fill the earth with human beings, he created one man. It should tell you the, 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 the ability of one man in the hands of God. Hallelujah. But you see, you don't believe it. That's why, that, that's why you, you, you allow depression to take root in your life. You don't believe it. That's why you allow to be misled by Satan for you to walk useless paths. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm saying that you don't believe it. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Because by you alone, listen, by you alone, the whole of South Africa can be saved. You alone, just you alone. In the hands of God, I said in the hands of God, you alone, you alone, the whole of South Africa can be saved. You see, that is what you don't know. 
That is what you don't know. That is the knowledge that you have not believed in. Hallelujah. And that is why you would allow Satan to hinder you from becoming what you ought to become. But you see, as we look at the serpent, you find out that the serpent lives in a way that allows him to flourish or that allows it to prosper even when there's so much enemies against him or against it. Yes. Because among the many keys by which the serpent operates, one of them is just simple contentment with what it has. The serpent is content. You see, the serpent doesn't complain and doesn't say, ah, how come all the other, how come the lizards, my cousins are free? They roam around. Everybody's free, just having some fresh air, even when they are not eating. They are taking a walk. But me, when I show my face, I'm in danger. When I show my face, no, I'm in danger. I'll be killed. You see, the serpent has one key. And that is in the chapter 9 of the book, Wise, Wise as a Serpent, chapter 9. The serpent has the key, the master key of contentment. In addition to other master keys, the master key, they are masters of contentment. They are masters of contentment. Hallelujah. They are happy with the life they have. If you have to live under rocks, that's my portion. Yeah. If I always have to hide in holes, that's my portion. If I can only move around a lot when it's hot because I'm cold-blooded, it's okay. I'll move when it's hot. When it's cold, I'll hide. I'll just, we just stay here quietly. We don't have to eat a lot. We don't need many things to survive. We have to survive. And the snakes are surviving everywhere. In addition to other things that they have, they are also creatures of contentment. They don't eat a lot at all. They don't eat a lot at all. And by so doing, you hardly will get the chance to see them going for food for you to kill them. Hallelujah. Yeah, because there are many snakes that have been killed around where I know. It's because they went out going to look for food. Because it's risky. But they have learned the key of being content by eating little and staying, surviving on the little for a long time. Hallelujah. And they are pressing on and multiplying. They are not extinct. They are still increasing. Amen. You see, you don't even know how many they are for you to think that they are finishing. No, 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 no. 
they hide from your view and they are content. Now, that is one of the things that Christians lack. As I've watched the many people around me that have grown and are still growing, I see discontentment always playing a role that leads them to make very bad financial decisions. And followed by the financial decisions, they tend to have very bad Christian lives. Because listen, for you to have a good Christian life, you need to be content. I mean, discontentment alone would open the door of Satan into your life. Discontentment will open the door of Satan. You see, certain things become seductive in nature. Because you are not content with what you have and where you are. And let me say this. Let, let me say this to you. To be content with where you are and what you have does not mean you will not move forward. And it does not mean you will not have more. No, 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 no. That, you see, that's the, that's the feeling people, or that, that, that's the feeling I get, that people think that when you say I'm content, it means I don't want more, or I can't get more. No, no. You see, contentment involves accepting what the situation offers. Whilst you do what is essential for the goal of your life. You see, the goal of my life is to live God's will for my life. That's the goal of my life. So, if a situation comes my way, unless I accept it, unless I accept it, that situation can distract me from pursuing the goal. That situation can distract me from going on with what I need to be doing for me to maintain my course. But many of us as Christians are not content. And the root of our discontentment comes from comparison and jealousy. I don't know about the jealousy part, but what I know is that majority of our discontentment comes from comparison. That silent comparison. And it only leads you to take decisions that leads you to poverty. Because listen, there are many things that your life or that you must be doing in life in order to maintain and, or in order to obtain and to maintain God's favor for your life. Oh, yes. I said, there are many things that you must do in order to obtain and to maintain God's favor in your life. You see, if you belong to God, then God should be able to use you at any time and at any place he wants to use you. 
Now, what happens to us because of discontentment, in addition to so many other things, is that we become unavailable to use, to be used by God where he wants to use us. Yes. Maybe God wants to use you in a way of being kind to somebody, helping somebody who would never be able to pay you back and who will never, who you will never gain anything from. But you see, God, if he's a provider, he's a provider for everybody. He's not a provider only for you. He's a provider for everybody, both the wicked and the, and the righteous. So, he may want to use you to do something. But you see, because you are, you are discontent, rooted in comparison and jealousy, it has caused you to make decisions that makes you unavailable in whatever way God wants to use you. Oh, yes. It has made you unavailable in whatever way God wants to use you. And therefore, what happens is that wherever you, you become disobedient to God, like God says, listen, I need you here now. Because of your discontentment, you are on another road. And therefore, you cannot be where God wants you to be. But listen, Paul says something in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. Verse 11. Philippians 4, 11. It says, Not that I speak in respect of want, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. He says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed. Bigger. He says, everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Hallelujah. So we see, and Paul says this, and this follows. Or oh, this is the this is the the point he was making that made him say that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, you see, most of us are financially poor today, 
because we did not walk in the instruction of being content. So in spite of all the work we are doing and a lot of money that we are being paid, we have nothing to show for. We have nothing to show for because of comparison. Look, be content with your state and don't try to be what somebody is. And then listen, whatever state you find yourself in, it is when you compare yourself with somebody else that will bring you the feeling that I'm a failure. That will bring you the feeling that I've not accomplished much. Compare yourself with somebody. But if you were even to look back of your own self, where you were and where you are now, you have a big progress. But you see, because of comparison, you open the door for depression to set into your life. Oh, yes. Because of comparison, you open the door for depression to set in into your life. And then you see, we all respond to depression in different ways. Some people just give themselves to uselessness. Other people eat. Other people don't eat. Other people sleep. Other people can't sleep. We all respond to depression in different ways. But you see, the truth is it's coming from you not being content. And because of that, no, yes, you don't have a job. I, I hear you. You don't have a job. I hear you. Bishop, you see, you don't know what it means not to have a job. I hear you. I don't know what it means not to have a job. But, but let me ask you a question. Even though you don't have a job, how many times have you slept without food? You, you didn't answer me. How many times have you slept without food? Yes, yes. You, you, for you to eat, you have to be begging. Is it your pride that is the problem or is the begging? Which is the problem? Is it the begging or the pride? And have you not realized that when you put your pride aside and you beg, you always get. People are happy to give you. Listen. You may not have a job today. You have a lot of time on your hands. To pray and to read your Bible. Because God is the God that I know. A season of your life is coming. When abundance will overwhelm you. And the only reason, the only, the only help or the only thing that can keep you on the path of righteousness in the midst of abundance is because of the things you learned and the things you prayed about before the temptation came. Hallelujah. But you see, because you are comparing yourself with somebody else, you are not content with your state. That even to be alive, is, in fact, it's a blessing because under normal circumstances, looking at where you have passed and the, the number of times you have, I almost said something that I didn't want to say. The number of times you have done things that would have brought certain diseases into your life, all of which you escaped. 
And those who didn't even go one hundredth of your attempts had those divisions. So, I, you see, you, you don't understand that ideally you should have been dead by now. And you have been given life. So why are you allowing the absence of the things you would have wished to have? The things you would have wished to have, why are you allowing the absence of it to prevent you from using the moment that God has granted your life for the future? To prevent you from using it well. You say, I'm lonely. I hear you. At least you can explain your loneliness that you don't have a husband. But how about the one who has a husband and is lonely? I said, how about the one who has a husband and is lonely? What do you, what would you explain that? Or how would you call that? Listen. You, you are lonely because you have decided to be lonely. Yes, you say, I don't understand. I don't know what it feels like. No. It's all a state of mind. It's, it's all a state of imagination. That if I had somebody, I'll be sharing my space with a person. And I'll be doing this, I'll be doing this. You'll be surprised that you can have somebody and the person will not share your space with you. And this is what the Lord has given you. That Lord, there must be a reason why I don't have a husband. And therefore, let that purpose be fulfilled in my life. Oh, you see, you are telling me I'm impractical. You are the practical ones. You are the practical one. I hear you. Go ahead. You discover who is impractical. And, and you have forced yourself not to be lonely. And what has it resulted you? I said, what has it resulted you? It has just increased your tally. That's all. That's all. You know what I'm talking about. And it has, it has made you, if you were to really analyze and to look carefully about your actions, the, the description of what you would have been or the description of what you'll be called, I don't want to say it on, on, on public television. Hallelujah. But you know what I'm talking about. So listen, what, what is the point I'm making? The point I am making is that we have a clear instruction of the fact that we need to pray. The men always ought to pray. Now, you see, if we don't make the time to pray, we will not even improve in the quality of our prayer. You know, we have to, you see, in praying, we have to learn how to pray. And, and we will not improve the quality of our prayer because we don't even make the time to pray. And we pray occasionally. You see, the things you do often, you even without realizing or without intending to, you improve in it. Yes, because you do it more often, you improve. The things you do occasionally, you never improve in it. You never improve in it. But the things you do often, 
you improve in it, even without intending to improve. And many of us, because of discontentment that has come through comparison and jealousy, we have wasted many opportunities that come into our lives and have even made us not able to even make time to pray. Because you see, you are, listen, because of discontentment, no amount of money is enough for you. So you are always looking to increase your salary by going for a higher post. There's nothing wrong to go for a higher post. But to go for a higher post because you want to increase your salary is a very low reason. It's a very low reason. Because what you have is enough. Because of your discontentment, I said, because of your discontentment, it is leading you away from where you ought to be in the presence of the Father. And let me tell you something. Whatever you need in your life, eh, God has a better version of what you think you need. Ready for the supply into your life. You know, I sometimes look at even myself as a human father. And my children that try to relate with me and talk to me. Look, I want far more for them than they even want for themselves. Yes. And the only reason they may not have what I want for them is because they don't talk. But those who talk, they get what they want. Those who believe that, oh, whatever I want, daddy can afford it. It's, it's, it's not beyond daddy's pocket. And whatever I want, daddy wants me to have it. it. would make them come and talk to me. Oh, and when you talk to me, if it's something that is not harmful to you, why will I withhold it from you? If it's not something that is not harmful to you, why would I withhold it from you? You know, my children sometimes have a tendency of saying, oh, it's expensive. Is this, is that. And sometimes what my response is, shut up. Is that your money? Is it your money? You need it, go and get it. Go and get, get the money and go and get it. What's your problem? Yes, because they, they say what they need. They say what they need. And if you say what you, if you always come, you always get what you want. The Bible tells us we have not because we ask not. We have not because we ask not. And you see, the things you want, they may be extras. But you see, if you set your heart, as you talk to God, and you hear the heart of God, and you set your face to do his will, to see to come to pass his purpose, he will give to your life what you never asked for and what you never thought you need. And he will also arrange your life in a way that you can enjoy what he gives you. There are many things you can have that you can enjoy. But you see, there are many things when God gives to you out of you pleasing him, out of him being happy with you. He, he knows that what he has given you is of no benefit if you can enjoy it. So he would arrange it said that you can enjoy it. And let me, let me say this to you. Never think that you can arrange to enjoy the things that you desire. No. 
That is the power of God to make you enjoy what he gives you. Hallelujah. And so, as we go through the wisdom of the serpent in learning how to be content, it will release into our lives the space to be able to talk to God. It will release into our lives the ability to obey that simple advice of Luke chapter 18, verse 1, that men always ought to pray and not faint. Hallelujah. Contentment is one of the keys by which your life can do what will bring you great gain. That is what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy, I think 6, 7 or so, that for godliness with contentment, for godliness with contentment, is great gain. Is it for godliness or but godliness with contentment is great gain? And what was he talking about? What was he talking about? He was talking about not grabbing, not grabbing, not wanting too many things. Because verse 7 says, For we brought nothing into this world. For we brought nothing. For we brought nothing. We brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out of this world. So you see, he was whatever he was explaining, he said, listen, let's be happy with what we have. Because I tell you, with the happiness of what you have, with the happiness of where you are. You see, you are, you are, what, you are complaining that you are single. You are complaining that you are single. Yeah, is, you are single, but you are alive. You are single, but you are not, you are not wheelchair bound. You are single, but at least you have job that gives you bread to eat. Oh, yes. But the person who is single, and is also sick and has no job and has no relatives to care for them. How about that person? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. You are single. You see, you are single because you see other people like you that are true. That's why you say you are single. In other words, you see other people like you that are married. How about other? So, okay, you are comparing forward. Why don't you also compare backwards? So that you will see that you are also better off. Yes, it's not the best, but that is what you have. For now, for now. I said, it's not the best, but that is what you have. For now. Who says accepting what you have for now means you will not have anything more? Accepting what you have for now makes you able to be led by the Holy Spirit makes you able to follow God with gladness and with joy, with a heart of gratitude. And I tell you, the only result that will come into your life is you will have what you never wished for, what you never asked for, what you never could have imagined. It will be part of your life. But you see, most of us on the journey 
to the promised land, we keep complaining about the, the dryness. We keep complaining about so many things. Listen, as I end, the key thing is we have to pray. And prayer must be a part of us. Get a lot of books that talks about prayer, the different dimensions of prayer, and begin to learn about it. Why? Because Jesus said men always ought to pray. He didn't say men sometimes must pray. He didn't say men occasionally must pray. And if I believe that he's the son of God, and through his death, I will receive forgiveness of my sins, then I want to believe that his instruction that men always ought to pray is an instruction to be pursued with all strength. It's not an instruction that is casual. That, oh, if I feel like obeying it, I'll obey. No, it's an instruction to be pursued with all strength. May we be content. I said, may we be content. As Paul was instructed to be content. It's a decision that you must take. It's a way of thinking that must come to your life. And don't be silly and telling me that, are you, you don't have ambition. With all your ambition, where are you? With all your ambition, where are you? Where are you? With all your ambition. The biggest ambition is to create space so that you can pursue the purpose of God for your life. That is the highest level of ambition you can have. And I'm showing you that through contentment, you will create space. You will be in a good state. You will be in a good space. And you will always feel like calling on the Lord. You will wake up with a desire to have a chat with daddy. And discuss things that are of interest to him. And in so doing, he will bless your life. You will be meditating on your bed and asking I have a house to sleep in. But the ark of God is intense. I must build a house for the ark of God. And God will tell you, thank you for such a thought. But I don't need you to build a house for me. But because you have had this thought, in fact, I'm coming up with many more things for your life. Hallelujah. And I tell you, God, you will fulfill your purpose in this life. Look, many of the things that we worry about today, I can promise you, it shall be taken care of. It shall be taken care of. Some of you have very silly ambitions. My, my child must go to this school. My child must go to this school. How many of you went to those schools that you want your child to go to? You are not wise. And you are, you are, you are having to pay school fees. That is way above your pocket. And because of that, you can't even do, it's almost like you're so concerned about your job and the thing that you can't even, you can't even do the work of God. You can't even live for the Lord. You, you, you are preoccupied with your work because you cannot afford to be retrenched or to sleep. You are so preoccupied with your work that you don't even think about God. Meanwhile, the Bible says, in Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, those who, whose minds are stayed on him, he blesses. He blesses those whose mind, but thou will keep in perfect peace. 
whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. May whatever has brought discontentment into your life lose its ability to influence you in that way. And may you, like Paul, decide to walk in being content in whatever state you are in. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer so that you can make time and a place to meet with our Father. Our Father, we thank you. We bless you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the adoration. Thank you for your word. The simplicity of your word, Lord. Simple instruction. We have to pray. Jesus, our Savior, we will pray. Help us to remove any obstacle, anything that disturbs our mind, anything that makes us not have the energy and the strength to wake up, anything, Lord, that hinders and stands in our way, that preoccupies our thoughts, that we are not able to, even when we are talking with you, we are absent-minded. Lord, by your Spirit, we ask you to deal with it. As we set out, may we be a people that commune with you daily in the ways and in a manner that is pleasing. May we be a people that seek to walk in your instructions that it will be well with us. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray for every sick person that your healing hand, Lord, will set that person free from that sickness. We pray for our families, Lord, we ask for your mercy. Hey, the works of the enemy, the spirit of death, Lord, cause us to escape with our families in the name of Jesus. Those who have lost their loved ones, Lord, we pray for inner strengthening, comforting by your Holy Spirit, that they will know that it is not the end. It is part of the journey and that it's not over until you say it is over because your word is the last word. We thank you, Father. And as every head is bowed and every eye closed, maybe somebody invited you and you want to pray the sinner's prayer. You want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I'm grateful for the opportunity that I have to come to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Father, I believe in Jesus Christ as your son who came to die for my sins. I ask you by his blood to forgive me of all my sins. Cause my life to be what you have made it to be as I receive you, Jesus, into my heart. You are my Lord. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit and help me to walk faithfully to the very end. Guide my life as the light of my life and help me to follow in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We believe you've been blessed by this message. To stay connected, follow our LCI social media platform.